everybody, and welcome to another episode of the NBA DFS Today podcast by Sports Ethos. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I got a special one for you here today because we are doing another DFS strategy session. This is strategy session number five, and we've entitled this one, Work Smarter, Not Harder, uh, and I'm excited to bring on another fellow Sports Ethos contributor here uh, in Michael Fiddle. Mike, uh, you know, one of the most brilliant minds, I think, at Sports Ethos for sure, uh, always, always a Breath of fresh air. Always has some great insights, so I'm excited to hear what he's got to tell us about some DFS here. But how are you doing tonight, man? I'm good, Keith. How are you? I'm celebrating my uh, my one year at Sport Ethos uh, yesterday, actually. Yeah, and uh, just on fire, man. Just killing it. Absolutely crushing it. Um, like I said, man, just the insights are just always incredible. So uh, excited to hear, you know, when we get into the weeds here, what we're, what we're going to talk about. But why don't you, you know, for the guys, that, guys and girls out there that aren't necessarily familiar with you, uh, just go ahead and tell us, you know, a little bit about your history with the you know, game of DFS and also uh, the sport of basketball, NBA. Well, I would hope that some people on this feed recognize my voice because I was the host for every single DFS Today episode for the football season. So they've definitely gotten a lot of football DFS talk from me. Historically, yeah. I'm, I used to play a lot of DFS basketball. I hadn't in the recent years, specifically after COVID or during COVID and during that time period, just because of how important being at your computer at lock and slate lock. I'm sure that'll be something that we get into today. Yeah. Um, things of that nature just made late second pivots and all these things. It just became about availability to, to, to really break the slate in NBA stuff. So I backed off of that a little bit. I also think NBA DFS is one of the sharper DFS um, games out there. I think football is the easiest because you have the most public players. You have the most fathers with their sons throwing in a you know a $50 lineup you have you know a guy and their girlfriend going to the game and making a lineup with a few players you have the everyone who plays fantasy sports and inevitably by week six in the NFL when half your team is injured you're like well I still want to do a daily fantasy lineup so you have everyone and their mom making fantasy football lineups whereas in the NBA because it is nightly it's really a competitive space so you do have to be a sharper mind to do well in the NBA space I am a handicapper by nature. I am a better of sides, totals. I stay away from the prop markets a little bit, which obviously greatly impact the DFS world um, because we don't get as much gambling information when we're doing those things as we do about tracking lines and seeing betting splits and those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could definitely talk strategy. I could definitely talk DFS. We could easily do a slate breakdown. We could do all those things. But I haven't been the biggest NBA DFS player like this season or the past few. But yeah. uh, but I, I historically, like, I used to clean up NBA yeah. DFS. So I know what I'm talking about. Mm. I just, you know, I choose to use my time elsewhere because I have a higher conversion rate given the con- confluence of variables in which I'm sure we will discuss. I also, while I'm introducing myself, I might as well throw this out there. I host the podcast The Advantage for Sportitos where I do a lot of like heavy gambling theory, logic, uh, strategy talk, in addition to just a general slate breakdown. So like Keith does a DFS slate breakdown and goes through the matchups and the games. I'm doing that for best bets, sides, totals. So if you ever want to, you know, target a, like I target often the Thursday TNT slates tonight, I'll be doing this one with Keith. So I'll have a definitely a slate breakdown next Wednesday, going into next Thursday's game, not tonight, but, um, Usually that's what you could find on my podcast. 
Yeah, and uh, I've learned a lot from Mike, obviously, about just the gambling theory. I'm, I'm hoping we can just apply that to DFS here. I think that's probably my biggest goal here is how do we apply, you know, those principles that we use uh, in just regular gambling, gambling, regular games handicapping, and apply that to DFS. So I'm interested to hear how you know how that goes. But yeah, Mike's Mike's again been very super helpful to me. And uh, um, again, you guys should definitely follow him and go listen to that podcast. It is absolutely goldmine information. But let's jump right into it, man. We you know we're talking about work smarter, not harder. I I mean this isn't even something I had as a note before we jumped on, but just you, you talking there, you know, you're talking about, and I do feel like it's it's very true. They're talking about the NBA DFS community or the slates being just more competitive because it's just people that really follow the game closely and not necessarily as many casual fans. So I think that's really true. So, you know, I think it's really smart of you. Obviously, you know, that's kind of the theme here is work smarter, not harder. It is smart when you have, you know, better margins of victory, a better you know, return of investment uh, on your time and your and your money uh, to do other things with your time. I think that's totally legit. So uh, just you know, speak to that a little bit more for me. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, uh, we we love to play the game of DFS. If it's something that you view as a hobby, it's still okay to like dabble, right? But we don't we don't like if we don't want to quit it, we don't quit it. But um, but we should be dedicating our time to stuff that that returns investment, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, I hate to like hop on a DFS pod and then explain why <laughs> I don't play NBA DFS. No, but, I understand. <laughs> uh, it, it's like the reason why it's a sharper field is because like, baseball is the sharpest, right? Because then you yeah. have pitcher matchups, you have strikeout rates, you have right-handed batters versus lefties, you have, yeah. you know, how how deep is this bullpen going? You have s- way more intricate statistical data, but given the turnover rate that NBA is nightly, you have a more just general, the people who are competing in the DFS space are just general people who like, like are looking for that competition, are basketball fans who are trying to be involved in that market. It's not overly data-driven like um, baseball is, but at the same time, because it's daily, it's a competitive, it's a very competitive field. Of course, everyone's thinking it's daily fantasy, so everything's daily. Football's certainly not daily because no one can do that daily. You can only do it once or twice a week you only play like a few different slates there's three nights of football a week you could you could do a thursday showdown slate you could do a monday showdown slate but really the dfs is that sunday main slate right or maybe you do an afternoon type of game or whatever with basketball you could do a five game slate you could do the evening three game slate there's so many options you could do single game showdowns you could do those captain lineups there's so many options so it becomes a very competitive field to that point it makes choosing your contest, which is probably the place we should start. Yeah. It makes choosing your contest probably the most important factor in right. building a if you try and building a DFS bankroll, choosing a contest is 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 the key because some of these bigger GPPs, when you look at how much money is put into the tournament, this is what this is the key thing that I would look at when you're choosing a contest. How much is the total money entered into the contest from every single person playing. So like, what is the entry fee multiplied by the entries into the tournament? And then find what the, how much money is paid out of that. So then add up all of the prize tiers. So say one through nine gets X and 11 through 19 get this and whatever. Add up all of those numbers too and see what percentage of the money that is put into that contest is actually paid out. There's no reason to enter a contest, a GPP, where the house cut is 27% when you could enter one where the house cut is 15%. Like DraftKings does it, FanDuel, these, they don't have universal cuts between various tournaments. Like even 
these things called hundos, H-U-N-D-O-S, hundos, are the highest payback rate. They pay back like 48%, like even 50-50s and double up, I think their payback rate is 45%, right? Because I think 110 people are are in it and then 50, 50 double up. Yeah. Or even if it's like a half double up you're, or half get paid, you're not totally doubling up. You're bringing back like 1.9x. So it's about a 40, like 45% conversion rate, which then I go back to, okay, where should I be spending my time? Everything I do on this is math-based. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human calculator. I'm always talking numbers and breaking things down analytically. When I place a bet on, say, the Warriors minus 1.5 tonight, which I did, and then I could see the market move it. I could hop in with the market moving that line from minus 1.5. It closed at minus 3.5, which made my original minus 1.5 have an implied probability of 61% going into that game. So should I put my money towards a bet that has a 61% hit rate and implied probability? Or do I join a contest with a 45% conversion rate? So that's why I choose to spend my time in the gambling space because I can identify those market trends and situate my own funds and bankroll in a better place. But if you are a DFS player, we'll stick to that. I don't want to criticize the DFS world. (laughs) You just want to choose your contest. So I'm I'm just going to keep going here. Besides even going for the smaller, like the, the higher payout rate, the smaller house cut, you also want to join the maximum amount of tournaments at the lowest cost. So if you're playing for $50 on a given night, you're better off joining 10 $5 contests. I mean, joining $51 contests is a bit excessive. Mm-hmm. You're better off joining five $10 contests, 10 $5 contests, instead of just one $50 contest, because then your variance level goes down. If you're, if you're, around that cut line on a given night, you'll win some, you'll lose some being in different lobbies. Your variance level is simply higher and it might work out for you. You might have a positive variance. You might get lucky and get positively lucky and it might work out. But in general, you want to decrease your variance when you're gambling because we're trying to study where our expected value exceeds the implied probability of what we're doing. So you want to decrease variance. And one way to do that would be Entering lots of contests, sticking to uh, tournaments that uh, pay out a high rate, and then you also want to find the ones where they're more public contests. So single entries are better. Mm-hmm. Like if you could find single entry tournaments with the maximum amount of entry fee entry people in it, you're inherently opening up the field for like limited sharps. So like say there's there's sharps and there's sharks swimming in these waters in these DFS experts with these algorithms and they're submitting 20 different lineups and they know how to weight different rosters and different stacks of different matchups so that they're probably going to have something in a GPP that hits huge. You want to avoid that stuff. You want to be in the game with 400 entries that are all single entries because those 20 sharks are not each putting in, you know, 10 lineups and taking up half the contest with 200 lineups. They have 20 of the 400 there. So you want to position yourself and ultimately, choosing the right contest is way more important than choosing the right players. Yeah, that, that's a big reason I wanted to bring you on, uh, Mike, is because, you know, that's something that I think for even for me, I struggle with because, you know, you see the obviously the biggest thing you see when you're you're a human being and you're you know, going to play this game and you feel like, you know, the game and you just see these big payouts. And that's what draws people. Right. But the big payouts, as you said, uh, typically aren't paying out a, a larger share 
uh, of the money that's going into them. So I think it's it's a, it's a losing proposition long term. Um, I think it is still fun to do it from now now and then. Again, it's for me, you know, it's a hobby at this point, so I do still play those from time to time. But I think you're absolutely right, though. Um, you know, you want to m- minimize the variance as much as possible because you want to be able to analyze yourself as a player and be able to um, get better and hopefully become one of those sharps. Uh, and now all of a sudden you're you're winning those or you're you're regularly uh, placing you know, getting in the money you know, hitting the money line and getting money back from what you're getting. And, you know, are you going to win a, a big tournament? You know, every single time? Of course not. Like no one's going to do that. No matter how good you are, um, variance exists. I mean, you know, you can be the smartest person in the world, and luck just might not be on your side that night, or it might very well be on your side that night. It's just there's no guaranteeing it. So that's what you're talking about when you're talking about limiting those those factors. So I, I really appreciate that and really like that a lot. So what do you, you know when you do play uh, NBA DFS, Mike? What you know specifically? So let's get specific here. You know mm-hmm. what what you know contests are you entering? What sites are you entering? What's your favorite sites to play on? All that I'm an stuff. exclusively DraftKings DFSer. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. like the interface the most. Um, I I like some of the scoring caveats too. That like you can slightly target three point shooters because they have the you know bump up in 0.5 right. points. I like in football it's the full point PPR which FanDuel yeah. is not. So. There are certain rule caveats, which then you can tweak how you play it to. So if you're going to take a specialist, I, I will always go for a three-point specialist instead of a defensive specialist if I'm playing on DraftKings, things like that. Um, trying to think what else. I play, like I said, hundos. Those, those are the best way to play escalator contests where you can win more than just your entry fee. So like you can you can put in $5 and win $20. Like I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are offhand, but you can win more than just your entry fee, but they, and they also pay back the highest rate out of any contest. So I would definitely suggest doing some hundos. I would also suggest mainly just playing double ups and 50 fifties. Like I just did a whole episode on my podcast about parlay math explained. So if you want to, you know, if you're someone who likes playing parlays, then you're someone who probably also plays GPPs and, you know, tries to hit big on one night. (laughs) It's not a sustainable approach to building a bankroll because the odds work against you. The, the, the multipliers are working against you. The having a bigger payout on a small uh, entry fee is actually working against you because you're giving DraftKings a bigger cut of your money every time you enter one of those tournaments because they take more as a house cut. So inevitably, your payback rate is less. So yes, you might hit big on it. It's like, I say like, yeah, like Keith, I've been to the bar before and there was one time I went home with a Victoria's Secret model. Am I expecting (laughs) to do it every time? Are my boys coming out with me saying like, yo, when we go out with Mike, we go home with the models? Like, no, it happened (laughs) one time. We celebrate it, but we move on and we don't expect that to be the process. What we Mm -hmm. expect to build our bankroll with is 50-50s and double ups. And for the listeners, that never really happened. There was no <laughs> just a, it's just a, a good example. <laughs> just a, a good metaphor. Example. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about okay. Let's talk about um, bankroll management because that was one thing that we talked about before we came on here. You know, um, you know, we're talking about making smart, wise investment choices here, and uh, you know, obviously, there's all that we said before where you know there might be a better way to even spend that money. So if that's what you're interested in, that's what you're interested in doing. There you go. But if you're in a DFS, you you know you want you have a DFS bankroll. You're saying, hey. I love this game. I want to you know, play this game. I want to build a bankroll with this game. Um, so talk to me about like, you know, obviously if we're playing with a hundred bucks, we don't want to spend a hundred bucks on, on night one, right? That's going to blow our load. 
we're going to lose that. Even if we enter 100 contests that are each a buck and we limit that variance, we still could have things go the wrong way for us and absolutely bust out. So, you know, I know we, I mean, I know this information uh, because you've shared it with me and you know, Dan shared it with me. A lot of people have shared this with me in Sports Ethos, but tell us a little bit about, you know, bankroll management and how you handle that um, just in general. Uh, yeah, in the gambling side, I think it holds completely true for the DFS side, too. So I'll just give my spiel about how I handle a gambling bankroll. And everyone who listens to this can simply just apply that logic straight to DFS because it is the same. The only thing that's different would be just how you use your money. Like I'm choosing bets. I would the first thing is like I would be playing at least 90 percent of your contest in 50 50s, double ups or hundos. If, if GPPs are more than 10% of your bankroll, that's like playing more than 10% parlays. That is just like shooting yourself in the foot. So like, I think I said on my podcast the other day, I've given out four parlays and like over a thousand bets I've given out at Sports Ethos. That's nearly the rate that I would play GPPs in comparison to my 50-50s. So that's first thing off the bat. In the DFS sense, bankroll management, you are going to grow your bankroll by choosing the right contest and everything that we just discussed in the first 20 minutes. Secondary to that is exposure and how much exposure to have in a specific contest, right? So uh, when you play a 50-50 versus a GPP, are you putting $15 in each? Like, no way. Your your, your, your same ratio is like you want 90% of your bankroll invested in the 50-50. You also want to, you know, decrease your, like, how do I explain it? It's like, like uh, let's just go through it from a unit perspective, right? If you have $100, you don't want to overly expose yourself and potentially join four contests that are each $10 and lose 40% of your bankroll on a given right. night, you're screwed. So generally when people say one unit, it is 1% of your bankroll. I am a little bit more aggressive in that approach. Most casual bettors, when they put one unit out there, it's actually like 10% of their bankroll and they're just <laughs> right. being an idiot. Yeah. For real people who are approaching this statistically, analytically, data-driven, slow and steady wins the race they could all be hairs we're the tortoise okay so only run if someone's chasing me kind of approach <laughs> so so um for me one unit is 1.2 percent of my bankroll okay and then from that that means follow me here keith it's a little bit hard to explain over a podcast and without a, a whiteboard or writing this down <laughs> but if 1.2 percent of your bankroll yeah. is one unit that means you could potentially lose 83 units before you would lose your entire bankroll because yeah. 1.2 multiplied by 83 is 100. Following yep. me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. So on the flip side of that, let's let's assume that we don't lose our entire bankroll, right? Let's not just go worst case caveat, only bet a dollar because you're going to lose it. No, let's go the flip side. What if we start winning, right? Can mm -hmm. we then increase our bankroll? Can we mm -hmm. scale up as we gain and build momentum once we're saying, hey, we're nailing DFS. I got a good lineup. I have a good approach to this. I'm eyeing a few spots. I'm correlating gambling overs with players that I'm targeting. I'm looking at the prop market to see which prop guys have higher points, assists, rebounds, comparative to the price tag of the guys around them. I'm doing all the smart things, and I'm building a bankroll, and I'm hitting above a uh, you know, 50 4% rate, whatever you need in the right. DFS world to be profitable, and you're gaining steam. Now, every time you gain five units, so if you gain five units, you have gained 6% of your account. So if we are 
doing five multiplied by 1.2, we have 6%. If we started off with $100, we'd be betting $1.20 into these various contests. I mean, it's harder to do in DFS because of the, yeah. you know, you could probably just make it easier doing 1% in this case because it's a mm-hmm. uh, fixed rate contest. Mm-hmm. So you're then saying, okay, I've gained now 5% in my account. I'm, I'm on the fly dropping this down to a 1% instead of a 1.2. So you're now saying I've gained 5% in my account. So now let me recalculate what mm-hmm. 1% of my bankroll is, start right. that game over, where now I have, I'm have um, zero units clean again, and I could either win five units and increase my bankroll, or I can, again, lose 83 units. And I tell people, I have never lost the game. Of, <laughs> will I times. win five <laughs> units before I lose 83? I have mm-hmm. won that game. Every single time I've played it for 11 years now and counting in football and basketball unanimously. So I never reduce my bankroll. If I start losing, if I lose five units, I'm not going to reduce my bankroll because I have such low exposure because I could afford to lose 83. And I know the tide is going to turn against me. And I know if I'm studying this from a math-based approach and I have a good system – it's only a matter of time before the ball rolls my way. I get the right drop. I was probably getting unlucky in a few places and you took a few hits. Not a big deal if your exposure is low, if your units are consistent, if you're taking the right stabs at the market, you'll eventually gain bankroll and then you could scale up your bet. So then you're betting more when you go into a contest three months from now because you've gained 10 units. So your bet is, you know, your unit size is 10% bigger. Right. And for, and yeah, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm a little bit more risk averse as, as you pretty well know, uh, but I do 2% of my bankroll. That's, that's a unit for me. So, you know, um, I, I figure I'm not going to bust out 50 times. I think that's even like ridiculous to think like 50 times in a row, I'm going to lose. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I started out that way and I don't recalculate. I, I, I mean, last thing was last year. I was like recalculating like every single day and I was like, okay, what's my unit today? And that just drives me nuts. So I yeah. don't think you have to do that. That's a little bit of a, of an overkill there, but maybe like, you know, if you know you're on a roll and you, you're, you're up, you know, pretty big, that's when you recalculate. You say, okay, let me just reassess here and go. But for the most part, you just got to dial into the game that you're playing. Uh, the other numbers that are more important, which are, you know, again, who am I playing in this DFS lineup? You know, what does my lineup make up? All those DFS, you know, concepts that you have to have in your mind, pay way more attention to that. Uh, before you, you know, start messing around with your, your your units. But obviously that is something that you do need to reassess uh, as you win. Uh, or even if you do lose, I mean, say, you know, you're just absolutely in a, a crappy, uh, you know, role here, uh, Mike, and, and, you know, you lose, maybe I've got 50, you know, units or 50 shots in me and I've lost 20. I mean, at that point, do I dial it down or do you think I just stay with it, stay with the same unit size? I would stay with the unit size. I would, you know, reconsider your approach, um, but -hmm. I would stick with the unit size because, listen, if we get to a point where you lose 83 units following my strategy, (laughs) if you follow Keith's and you lose 50 units, Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. I hope you probably need to do something else, (laughs) but it is time to do something else as a hobby. That's uh yeah, you put in those 50 units and he lost them. That's game over, man. Like, uh, there's no continues that's, here. That's, but Keith, but Keith, we also have to understand that's net units lost, right? So that right. doesn't yeah. account for the win that bumps you up, right? Or the, yeah. the occasional GPP that you're going to hit. So if you lose 50 to 83 units to 100 units, if you're going with the 1% approach, like, yeah. okay, <laughs> we appreciate the listens to the podcast. Please come back and keep downloading. 
maybe join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass so you can get yeah. your, your bankroll back up and file some straight bets in there. Yeah, get a little bit of uh, of guidance there. I think you need a little help. Uh, but no, it's, it's good. It's sound advice, obviously. Um, so here's a question I had for you, which um, for me, it's it's something that I do. Like, especially for DFS, I'm going to kind of reel back in and go a little bit more towards specifically towards DFS. But like, for me, when I'm evaluating a slate, and I'm actually deciding like how many units, like tonight, I actually went heavier with the units um, than I usually um, spend in DFS. Because for me, it's when I see the top guys on the slate, and I know that these guys are... Uh, you know, it, it, I'm absolutely, these are the guys, like, there's no question in my mind, these are going to be the top, you know, one, two, three scores on the slate. Like, I know the chalk is good. That's when I'm willing to spend more on the slate because I feel like my confidence level is higher. Um, I'm, 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 I'm going to compound that also with, um, I even swap, maybe, so like, let's say for an example, this isn't exactly what I do, but let's, let's say for example, I put out maybe three units, you know, per uh, per DFS slate. If I feel this confidence, then I double. I go six units on that slate. If I feel also that the you know minimum price guys, I know who they are because they are stepping into minutes because people are injured. Now I'm I'm not just doubling it. I'm probably quadrupling my. So I'm, you know I'm not doing three units now. I'm doing maybe ten units or something like that, right? I'm really going heavy on that slate because I've got a really high confidence interval. Now of course that can shoot me in the foot. I mean this is again there's variance involved. So varying my uh, my wagers is something that takes away from the steadiness of what you're talking about, where it's like I know what my ex- expectation is and I'm you know plotting along. So is that something that you would advise against, or is that something? I mean, do you see do you see some uh, value in that? I see it both. I see it both ways, and I don't want to give you like a like a, a roundabout answer. So let me just <laughs> let me try and answer it all. Mm-hmm. I think yes, we need to find spots in which we increase our exposure and feel like we have a good slate for you, Keith. If that's I know myself as a DFS. Right. My name's Keith Cork. I host the DFS Today Pod. I'm absolutely crushing it, identifying the top guys. I know when you know X players are stepping into roles, and and I feel really confident on this slate, then yes, you should identify that as your success points. And this slate lines up with your success points. So you want to increase your exposure. I would just so vehemently encourage that the increased exposure goes not towards the GPP market and thinking tonight's the night that I hit big. It becomes tonight's the night. I just want to take a few more jabs at the market. Tonight's the night I'm throwing a few more gut punches at my opponent. Tonight's the nights where I'm taking a few kids' lunch monies and going home because it's easy to bully these second graders. Not I'm feeling like David ready to take on (laughs) Goliath tonight, right? So when you're recognizing places where you feel like you have an advantage, Shout out to my podcast, The Advantage. When you recognize that you have the advantage, you absolutely want to be throwing a few more jabs into the market. You want to, you know, enter 2x, 3x times of contest. You want to keep that lineup consistent, whatever. For me personally, it's when the slate is like two games and I feel like there's certain matchups in NBA from studying the gambling stuff that I know so much that like it allows me to target certain role players because I understand that, hey, this is a you know, Max Struess type of night where the Heat are really going to need a scoring punch in a half court game here. Like those are the nights where I'm feeling like it's only a it's only a two slate game. So by me having this one player that I'm super confident in, it's normally a role player stepping up from a matchup perspective. Then those are the ones that I would attack from a heavier perspective. But that's knowing myself as a that's knowing who I am as a DFS player. Right. 
exactly. And it, it, I think, you know, work smarter, not harder. That's the, the, the title here. And exactly, you're exactly right. That's really recognizing your edge and where you have the edge um, specifically as a player, where you feel like you have um, the knowledge that other players might not. That's your edge. I mean, you know, can that's I, it. let's, let's throw in one more thing. Like we talk about trackers a lot, like in the, in the sports ethos mm-hmm. community and the wager pass in on my podcast, like being able to track everything that you have, like, one way to do this, like I hope people are tracking their DFS uh, lineups, you know, not what players you have, not that, but like how many games were in that slate? What contest did you join and what contest are you winning yeah. most consistently and what types of slates are you bringing home consistently? Are you Absolutely. really good at four game slates? Are you really good at 10 game slates? It's mm-hmm. important to know the difference. It's not it's probably not. uh just random luck if you're cashing on a lot of 10 game slates and uh you know you're you're bad at the four game slates which mine would show the opposite i'd be really good at the four game slates and tougher on the 10 game slates because i get too bogged into a line movement that happened here when when it's only those few games i know to sell out towards a line movement as opposed to saying okay there's a 10 game slate maybe i'm too cued into one spot where the gambling angle doesn't make too much of a difference on a 10 game slate yeah, I think it's it's easy to become. Uh, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm I'd say four to six games. That's kind of my sweet spot there. Those are the you know slates I really do well in. Uh, Ten game slates. There's just it's easy to get laser focused into something where it's like, oh man, this guy's price tag is. I have to get him into my my lineup. Which I would say it's a lot of times that's not true. Even if a guy's price tag is incredible, um, I think it, it's more about situation. It's more about what you think the field's gonna do. Um, so I think that's really something to take away from any of these DFS pods you listen to in these strategy sessions, which there's been four of them so far. Go back and listen to those if you haven't already. But we do talk about that uh, quite a bit where, you know, actually our last uh, show was fading the field. When do we fade the field? Um, but you need to know exactly what other people are going to do. So even if you sign up for like Sports Ethos or you sign up for other uh, services that give you, you know, maybe a lineup or they give you a, a line of builders or something like that, use that knowledge to say, okay, I know what people are going to do here. I know what people think are good plays. How do I use that knowledge to build my own lineups here? Am I going to, you know, mix things up a little bit? Am I going to go with with what's, you know, this this lineup builder is going to say? Um, that's where that's where you become a good DFS player. That's where you go from being an average DFS player. Anyone can load up a, a lineup builder, Mike, and and you know, click go on 20 different lineups and, and enter those in a contest and. You know, maybe you hit uh, 51, 52%. Like, you know, maybe it's fine. Like, you're doing fine. You're plotting along. You know, you're getting DK crowns and then not really making any money. But, hey, you're still in the game. So, there you go. Have a fun time. But to go from that <laughs> player to a good player, um, that's, you know, that's when you really get into, like, okay, I've got this knowledge now. Now it's on me. What do I do with it? So, um, I think that's probably the biggest thing, I think, from the last, like, three episodes we've had of this that I want people to take away from that. So, so I love yeah. that there. Yeah. If we can, if we can wrap up with one more topic, how much have you talked about timing in terms of like being available for slate lock, like that, yeah. and, then, and then timing which players you're playing in your contest at which specific spots? Because I feel like that's yeah. in essence work smarter, not harder. Because like once yeah. you have your lineup set, like once you have the guys who you fill out, like then let's say you know dude is playing in your guard spot at 7:30, and the guy that you have in your shooting guards playing at at 10 o'clock and the guy in your guard spot's actually a shooting guard. Like you need to flip that. Like yeah. you need, you <laughs> yeah. need to put your guard spot, you know, as your latest possible game to maintain flexibility. If you are, let me just say this one straightforward. If you are not available 
for an NBA slate lock. If you're someone who plays NBA DFS regularly, if you're throwing in a lineup on your lunch break at work or, you know, at the four o'clock afternoon lull or when you get home and you're, you know, cracking a beer and you're getting ready and you're cooking some food. If you have that one, if you're just in the routine of throwing in a lineup, but you have that one night where, hey, I'm going out for dinner this week or I'm taking the, a walk with my girlfriend or whatever that is like tonight's not the night. Like skip yeah. it. Like if yeah. you just knowing to take a night off of DFS is almost like knowing which contest to enter is almost as important as knowing which contest not to enter, what, knowing which slates not to even play, because simply being available at lock. I'm, I'm sure so many people are listening to this, like remembering the one time where like Halliburton was a late scratch or Chris Paul was ruled out at, you know, whatever KD turns his ankle in warmups and you have your slate built around KD. Yeah. Like we need to be able to pivot. We need to maintain our utility spot, our guard spot, our forward spot in our latest game possible. We need to be available at slate lock. And then further than that, if you're choosing between two players and you can't decide and you're like hmm i don't know if i should choose duarte or contavious caldwell pope well caldwell pope's probably playing in the later game because he's on the nuggets in the west coast duarte's on the pacers on yeah. in the eastern conference go with the guy playing the later game it will give mm -hmm. you maybe maybe you know kcp's ruled out and all of a sudden I don't, who is it? Reggie Jackson now. And you mm -hmm. can then put him in the guard spot because even though Reggie Jackson's a point guard, but you had KCP in your guard spot. Like right. this is all the flexibility stuff that's worked smarter, not harder. Yes, this is the, and, and even if you're out there um, and you, you know, you're like, man, I don't know. I've just, I've only watched basketball for the last two years and you know, all this, like, it doesn't matter. Like this contest selection and being available at lock are like, that's two two tenants that are like, I don't know, I don't know what percentage of the, of the win it's going to give you, but it's going to give you a very significant percentage of, of the wins there. Um, so that, that's a really important thing to do. And it's a great point, Mike. Um, but yeah, you do want to stick people in your utility spots, your guard spots, your forward spots um, when they are in later games, so you can swap them. But not only that, but you want to know also what's your, you know, what's your exit strategy, right? So if there's only one game later and you're playing Contavious Caldwell Pope, you know, who am I going to swap to in case, uh, he does get ruled out. You know, obviously, like you said, maybe there's a Reggie Jackson or something like that. Maybe there is a really uh, a, an obvious choice for you. But like, if there's not an obvious choice there, then it makes the, the, the decision a little bit harder. So, or, or, or specifically, Keith, if the other choice is, is out of your budget, like yeah. if, if you'd want to switch, if you're right. on the Timberwolves and you're like, shit, I want to throw it Austin Rivers. Sorry yeah. for cursing. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Um, yeah, curse on my pod. I, I used to curse <laughs> on this podcast feed all the time. I don't know what higher-ups were listening to the football <laughs> episodes. Okay, so uh, if you're like, oh, crap, I want to throw in Austin Rivers, and yeah. you really only have money for, like, Noel. I, I don't even know. McLaughlin, I'm not even yeah. sure what the price tags look like on Minnesota. But uh, something like that happens, and you're screwed. Like, you want to make sure you have flexibility behind you. That's, that's yeah. a great point. Not only saving the flexibility, but knowing what that fallback option is. Just check. It takes it takes two seconds to check. You know, then then just throw a quick Google. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope's prop line tonight. Yeah. You know, then next Google search. Uh, Chris Duarte's prop line tonight. If one yeah. of them, if one of them's one point higher, yeah. go with the guy who was a point higher. Yeah. Trust, trust the book, uh, the, the odd setters and trust. Oh, they're the, way the smarter than us. Yeah. yeah. yeah trust them. Um, tr trust me on that because it's absolutely true. They are smarter than smarter than us have way more advanced tools than us uh, in most cases, in every case. Um, and yeah, obviously follow guys. I mean, follow sharps like Mike. I mean, you know, listen to his podcast. 
Um, even if it's if, even if it's just bed, betting, right, or betting the the money line or the, the spreads on games, um, that really informs also what I do in DFS as well. Um, so that's a little trick for you guys as well. Uh, you know, we should really we should do an entire episode on how you angle gambling angles into DFS plays. That's what we should have done. Now let's crack this. Let's go. No, no. no we will. Right. We're we will. going another forty. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will though, because I'm hoping to do a lot of these guys. Uh, probably about uh, eight to, to a dozen of them uh, this season, and hopefully more beyond that. So we will get to that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's a good point, Mike. But I think that's pretty much going to do it for us, though, guys. I think you know, again, work smarter, not harder. There are just some very simple things you guys can do uh, to give yourself the edge. So it's all about getting that edge. Uh, and Mike, I appreciate you coming on, man, and giving us your time. Uh, where can people find you and your work? I know you already spoke about your podcast, but uh, your Twitter handle and, and everything else. Yeah, everyone should definitely be listening to the Advantage podcasts. You can find that anywhere. You can find me on Twitter at mfiddle14, and you could really come join Keith and I in the Wager Pass and Sports Ethos Discord because that is the first place that I put all of my plays. When they make their way to Twitter, they are screenshots of what I put up in the Discord. So uh, the Discord, we're also working on giving out some some premium wagering stuff, like giving the, the guys a tracker who are part of the Discord community. So definitely do that and find me on Twitter and go listen to my podcast. My last podcast was about, or two podcasts ago, was about Parlay Math Explained. So if you <laughs> liked some of this statistical, analytical breakdown of, the math side of gambling, definitely go check out the parlay episode. Highly recommend. Absolutely. I, I recommend Thanks all of it, man. Yeah, it. absolutely. Absolutely. Very smart mind here. Go follow Mike. Uh, and you guys know where to find me. I'm at BSPP Keith. And definitely go listen to all the DFS strategy sessions before this. But until next time, everybody, go get that money. Deuces. <laughs>